All right, what's up, everyone? This is Matt Meiselman here for an episode of Studying the Sharps. And I'm here with one of the sharpest sports bettors known to man. So this is probably a person that a lot of you who have seen some of these episodes are excited to hear from. Um, unfortunately, I feel like there may be some disappointment because we're not actually going to get into sports betting directly at all here, um, maybe indirectly a bit. But Brufus is here more or less because of the track that he's been on more recently. Um, and to clarify, Rufus, I heard you on Gil Alexander's show and then the end of year show you did with Jeff and Preston. And just to get right into the middle of it, the thing that you said that you kind of have been talking about, but I think you said it pretty directly recently is you're talking about defining yourself in a certain way. And you, you were talking along the lines of defining yourself as a sports better. And I mean, that's an interesting topic in and of itself, but I think what's implicit there is that you are someone who believes you can choose how to define yourself. You are not stuck as any one thing. Um, am I reading that right? That you're someone who like thinks about that as you know, your identity is an evolving process, let's say. Yeah, I, I think I, I do, but it's it's something that's been recent for me. For so long, I thought that this is who I was. I was a sports better. Without that, who am I? You know, when I when I moved to Las Vegas in two thousand eight, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I was just getting started, trying to make it, being successful as a sports better, being able to make it, you know, make a living as a sports better gave me confidence and it kind of became my identity. And and from there, it just kind of grew. Um, I got better at it. I became more well-known for being a successful sports better. And what would happen if that was taken away from me, if my edges evaporated? And, you know, that's going to happen at some point, whether I decide I don't want to bet anymore or whether it's, you know, it's just too much of a grind or whether I just can't hack it anymore. And, and I think a great example is like a professional athlete. Like think about a, think about, I don't know. I was going to say Tom Brady, but that's a bad example, but, but he's going to be dealing with this soon. But, but, but let's say an NFL player, um, you know, in high school, they were known as the star football player in college. They were the star football player. That's, and they, they play professionally. And at some point they can't make it anymore. They retire, even if they had a hall of fame career. And then suddenly who are they? And I think, so I think it's, um, I, I think, a lot of athletes struggle after they retire too. I think for that reason, probably because their sense of identity was so tied to what they did and, and suddenly they're not doing it anymore. And it had been that way for so long. So I, I, I don't know what the point of what I'm saying is here, but I mean, I, I had this realization though, that like, I don't have to be defined by being a sports better. And it wasn't, I mean, I know that in my head, but I just, I knew it in my heart in a way that I had never known that before. And so yeah. that was kind of just, just liberating for me to know that I, you know, that essentially it's like life is full of possibility. I don't, I can be whatever I want to be. Yeah. Right. You say those words. And I feel like for most people listening, they will intellectually agree with that statement. Yet if you've never experienced trying to change in such a way, you're not like really internalizing that in kind of like the way you're talking about that's happened more recently. Um, to give like the personal example for me, when I was younger, I identified as someone who was kind and also someone who was calm under pressure. And really 
I was just picking those identities because I was shy. And it was like, if I am shy, then I should also be nice. Like those things sort of go together. And calm under pressure was basically because I idolized Derek Jeter. So, you know, I'll just be that. And for so long, I probably just assumed that that's like genetic, that I was born with those traits. But at a certain point, you realize like your identity almost is an accident. And I think there's an interesting tie to betting there where like, because you understand randomness and variance so well, you might be uniquely positioned to understand this, but like, I sort of see it as though who you define yourself as is almost like a product of variance in some way where like you've fallen into habits, you've had people in your life, things have happened to you, trauma, or just like regular occurrences where like the way you think of yourself is just a combination of a bunch of stuff that's not in your control. And until you realize like, oh wait, I can pick who I wanna be. Like you're unlocking a new door once you do that, if that makes sense. It does. And for me, it wasn't, it, so, so it wasn't just like, I can be whoever I want to be. It was, it was what defines me isn't what I do. It's who I am. It is the human being I am, the qualities I have, you know, the relationships I have. Um, and to your point, I do think we define ourselves in certain ways. Like, as you said, um, you know, kindness and calm under pressure, those are two fantastic qualities. But I think people also say, oh, you know, I'm an anxious person. I'm an angry person. And when they say that, it sort of reinforces it too. Like, no, you don't have to be an anxious person. You don't have to be an angry person. When you, when you, when you refer to yourself as that, that way, kind of, it makes it more difficult to actually, I mean, it, it makes it difficult to change and you kind of, you, you make that part of your identity, even if you don't mean to. Yeah, definitely. And I think once you realize the negative, you realize that, you know, this is kind of a game you're playing with yourself because I, like when I started realizing this kind of stuff, I didn't, I, I came to the realization, I'm not especially kind or calm. Like I'm probably similar to most other people. And maybe those are things that would be very honorable to work on, but like, I wasn't born nicer than the average person. I was just trying to be that because, you know, it was making up for a deficiency that I had. Yeah, go ahead. But, but is that a bad thing? In a way, it, it probably, it, you became more kind and you became better under pressure probably because of that. It was, I, I think it's, I don't think it's bad to sort of have these sort of aspirational qualities to say you are something to, you know, because it, it certainly will put you, you know, on the right direction. And you know, what's funny is actually, um, I, I did this exercise with, with Peter Jennings when I was, um, I, I was in, in Denver um, in September for a week and he and I were talking and he asked how I would define myself, like what qualities define me. And I think it was, a, it was really interesting. Um, and, and what I realized is actually the first one is actually kindness. Um, and I had never thought of myself, I never thought that was who I am at my core, but growing up, I've, I mean, my parents said I was never, ever mean to anybody, basically, you know, I, my sister would, my little sister would like hit me and I just, I would never be violent with her. And I'm just, I just, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not mean to people. Um, so it's funny you say kindness because I'm like, that's, you know, <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's not how most people would think of me, I guess, given my professional life and all that stuff. It's, it's only how people like that are closer to me would know me. Yeah. I mean, they may start to see that side of you now at least if they follow you on Twitter, like where you're talking about the ways that you want to improve. Um, yeah, one of the things I'm curious about though, is when you do this kind of exploration publicly, you probably are getting some kind of positive feedback loop there, right? Like 
it, you, you probably get good and bad because some people might be like, you're so pretentious for writing this stuff. And then other people are gonna tell you you're doing a good job by talking about this. And then it probably reinforces you know, the behavior that you're trying, or not the behavior, but the, the identity you're trying to push towards. So it's like, to your point about, it's good to strive for kindness and calmness, those things like, yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. Like you aren't necessarily born with any of that. There are things you work on. So like the concept I'm trying to hit on is that you like you actually can improve at things that most people would think of as intrinsic qualities. Like you're, you probably are born with some capacity for certain things more or less than other people, but these are not as fixed maybe I mean, I'm pretty confident they're not nearly as fixed as most people think. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and to touch on what you said at the beginning, I, I thought that was a really good point you made in, in terms of like exploring this publicly and, and talking about this publicly. And, and, and I think, you know, for a while I, in my life, I really craved validation. And so, and, and, and I guess the question in a way, I mean, what you alluded to is like, well, am I, am I getting more, val am I still getting validation in that way? from it and and i um and that's interesting because i i don't feel like i need that at this point um but what is i guess what's gotten me there um is just this realization that i don't have to well first off you're, ne you're never going to please everybody um yeah. i've realized that from from my my twitter experience but 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 if i'm honest about if I'm honest with myself and if I'm like, like radically honest and can show, you know, can admit to, you can admit to all my weaknesses, then, you know, then nothing can hurt me in a way. I don't need the, I don't ne negative. So negative feedback can't hurt me because I already know I'm not, I already know, sorry, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job explaining this. No, no I, I totally believe this is, pretty paradoxical. Um, I think the one thing that you hinted at that may, maybe this is not what you mean, but I, I'm pretty sure it is to some extent, at least, is that like you were seeking validation. Now you are publicly talking about improving and that then leads itself to its own form of validation that, right? Like you are now getting validated for a different thing, but at the same time, like you're saying, you, you, this thing is not as implicitly tied to validation seeking. Like betting is Correct. different from, because it's almost like the same concept as being selfish when you're, if you're being nice to other people selfishly, that's different than you're just taking from them selfishly. They're both selfish in some sense, but it's like, it's a more intrinsically valuable form of selfishness to do selfishly, which helps others. And in the same way, validation seeking in a way that, is intrinsically like trying to get better and acknowledging your flaws and all of that. Sure, there's like a little element of seeking validation from it, but it's a different it's a it's a different game that you're playing now. I think, yeah, and so I really I don't think it's validation seeking. Just given the fact that I have these conversations with a lot of friends and and other people as well, where I'm not really getting that. I'm just it's it's more just the exploration. And I think for whatever reason, I am just more of a public person than than I mean, just I'm very open about things. I can connect with people quickly. You know, I, I'm just, I'm not a naturally private person. Um, I don't keep things close to the vest, but what has been really remarkable has just been the, that I think when you show vulnerability and admit weakness, um, it gives other people permission to do that too. Yeah. 
and and to be, and so I've had a lot of people reaching out and say, hey, look, I've gone through you know very similar things, or I'm going through this, and and it was just kind of, it was. I mean, that was rewarding because it feels like I can actually give back. And, and, and honestly, I much prefer talking about this stuff than sports betting. Yeah. Like it's, it's not close. Yeah. I mean, sports betting also, like, there's only so much, right? Like, you can't cover the same depth of things. But I also think, like, you are tapping into something that is less talked about in terms of, like, the type of people you're reaching. So it's very common in sports right now for athletes to talk about depression they've been through and all these, like, very dark struggles. And then... Like, there's no question that's really helpful when people talk about the dark times they've been through. But the other half of that, I think, is that there are people who are living moderately successful lives who are just like this, I need more, right? Like someone who everything's just met. It's just like, you're doing well on paper, and you're just not feeling as though you are living enough. So does that feel like more of the category where you're in? Because it doesn't, like the stuff you talk about, at least on Twitter, doesn't seem to be very dark in nature. It's more like you're doing well, but it doesn't feel right. And there's more you could be doing. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think I, I had a thought for a second and I, I kind of lost it. Um, but I'm, I'm a naturally positive, like guy. Um, yeah. I'm not, but, but I think it's more that I, I'm, I guess, seeing the world a different, in a different way now and realizing that, that like, oh, here we go. I remember my thought. Um, there in sports betting, you have a scoreboard, you have, there's something it's, you know, it, you're, you're motivated by something extrinsic in a way, right? It's, you're trying to make money, you're trying to be successful, you know, there's a scoreboard. Um, and so I think part of it is like when you achieve some of or all of what you wanted to achieve, you realize that like, well, actually, this wasn't that satisfying. Like, and, and I think a lot of people, it's sort of the disease of more. The, the, the richer you get, the more you realize that there's other people richer than you and more success, the more successful you get, the realize you realize there's this whole other world of people way more successful than you. And, and so at a certain point, you sort of ask yourself, well, do I just want to keep striving and striving and feeling like I'm not good enough and trying to get to what these other people above me have? Or is, is you know, or is there not, or do you realize that like, maybe that's not that important? And, and I mean, the, the, the journey, well, I was gonna say the journey is the destination, but the process is the reward basically in a way, right? And so as long as you're enjoying that process, then that's great. But I mean, I think the realization is that like, that I, I need something more intrinsic, not, you know, not chasing this, you know, these achievements. And I think this is similar, I, I, you know, I, yes, as a sports better, um, this has been the case for me, but I think also a lot of people that are sort of like high achievers growing up that you know, they're like, oh, I have to, you know, do well in school. I have to get into a good college. I have to do well in college. Then, you know, they, they go to law school, get into a top law school, and then they have to, you know, get a top, you know, a job with a good law firm and then become partner. It's just all these little metrics. And, and you don't really stop, stop and, and kind of step back and say, well, what's the point of all this? I mean, yeah. there isn't a point. The, the point is if, if you enjoy doing what you're doing and if you get reward, if you get a reward for, from that, I guess. And look, I moved out to Las Vegas for a job 
that paid $25,000 a year because I thought it was the coolest thing ever and it was what I wanted to do. And I loved it. And that, that's why I got into this. And, and I didn't anticipate ever being able to make a, you know, have a lucrative career sports betting. That was, that was not on my radar and, and it really, it worked out for me, but at the same time, it, it, but that isn't what made me enjoy it. And I need to make sure I'm still enjoying it and enjoying that process. And if I'm not, then maybe it's time to do something different. Yeah. I mean, that level of self-awareness, I think is pretty rare. Like I think what most people are doing and betters might be especially prone to this is they are moving the goalposts without realizing they're doing it. So like if you're on a slump where you're just losing tons and tons of bets, you, the only thing that really matters in your mind, I mean, at least in a lot of cases, this is my experience, like you're on a really bad streak, just getting back to even feels so important. And then you get there and you're not even, you're not even content for a minute with that accomplishment. And it's like, now I need to keep going. And then you keep going and you're not content. Like you have tapped into something where you're at least probably, I would imagine, are taking the moment to be content, but then it's still fleeting, right? But even for most people, they're not even like, maybe they give themselves 15 seconds to feel rewarded for what they just did. You know, they just made all their money back. Everything's good now. And then they just keep going and they never are reflecting in a real way. Um, what I think is missing for these people is meditation, which I know you've mentioned and are, I think you had said you're doing this pretty regularly now, like how integral is that to this process of self-evaluation? You know, I, I have not been doing it as regularly the last few weeks, but before that I was in a really, really good habit and I, I need to get back to it. I'm, I still, I would like to be an everyday meditator. I, I know exactly I know what you're talking about because I did it every day for about four months. And then for whatever reason, just like you just fall out. I don't really know why this happens. You just fall out of it kind of. You miss it once, you know, and then suddenly it's like going to the gym, right? You, yeah. You, you're going to go one day. You're like, oh, you know what? I don't have time. I'll do it tomorrow. And then suddenly it's been a week and you haven't been to the gym. Right. And, and so I think it's the same with that. Um, so yeah, meditation, meditation certainly is helpful because it's, you know, it, it, it's just a way of allowing you, you to be with yourself where, where you don't need, nothing has to happen in a way. It's, yeah. it's like, it's kind of like permission to step away from life for a second. I mean, what is your um, process of that look like? Like, what are you using an app or you're just like, are you trying to focus on ideas or you're just like total bring yourself back to the breath or just not even that you're just trying to be calm. Is it? So for, for that, me, yeah. so I guess my, my experience with meditation is very much influenced by um, the sort of Buddhist tradition that I am, I have been a part of, I guess, and, and that I was introduced to, I should say. And so the, I, I do not use an app. No, um, I will sit and I will do mostly a breathing meditation and focus, try to stay with my breath. And if my, focus drifts away from my breath as it does often. Um, I just try to bring it back to my breath. And then once I feel like I'm there, I try to um, sort of just cultivate like a, a feeling of, of peacefulness and just, and, and that's kind of like that, that is most of my meditations. Um, and sometimes if I'm having trouble with that, I'll do sort of like a body scan type thing where I just, you know, breathe out through my, you know, just my toes and then my feet and just kind of go up and just feel my body. And that's kind of a good way to, you know, you put your focus on, on that. Um, but I would say mostly it's, 
like, I, I would say also that when I meditated regularly, I've realized that I actually, I finally understand a lot of what um, the Buddhist teachers were saying about just of, of that feeling of inner peace. That's just like this warm feeling inside you. That's just, you know, I know that it's like, everything's fine. I'm, is, I mean, the whole, the whole thing with, I guess with, well, I guess with Buddhism is, 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 and with sports betting, all you can control is yourself and your actions. And, and you can't control, I, I can't control what players that I bet on do. I can control my process and I, I can't like, you can't control the externals. You can only control the internals. And so the, how you process those externals is an internal thing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I would say I'm probably doing about half of what you're describing. And then the other half, I think, so like there's that spiritual element, which I will fully acknowledge is super important, but I think there's like a really pragmatic element to meditation that you also don't necessarily even lose when you stop doing it. So like I've gone three months without doing any meditating, but I'll still like have this thing, like this part of my brain that's like now alive because I have done it in the past where I am more able to catch my own thoughts. So like the meditation practice that you're describing of focus on the breath, your thoughts go, you know, million different places and just the mere act of paying attention to where they go in a like perfectly aware area. So like the skill seems like for people, you know, you, if you, if you don't focus on the breath the whole time, you're losing. Right. I think that would be, no, you can't, yeah, you can't lose. Right. I mean, you're right. You're right. People like, it's so easy to say, Oh, I'm, I'm so bad at meditation. Like, yeah. of course, like I am not good at meditation relative to like most, you know, people that are regular meditators, et cetera, et cetera. But it, the whole point is like, it's a win no matter what, even if you're, you know, even if your thoughts, you're just daydreaming, or even if you fall asleep, my old teacher um, in DC used to say, you know, if you fall asleep, you probably needed a nap and it's still beneficial. Yeah. And people who struggle sleeping, like, I mean, if you, if it makes you fall asleep, that's incredible. Yeah, it's true. Um, but the, yeah, I like aside from the trying to just be calm part, like there is a skill there of catching your thoughts. So like you're focusing on the breath, your mind starts wandering and then you realize where it's wandering very quickly. And even if you bring it back to the breath and this keeps happening over and over again, just being able to like see where your thoughts are going across whatever space they're going into, just knowing what your thoughts are doing at any given moment. Like that skill, I think is so powerful because then when you start ruminating in real life, other parts of your life that are totally separate from sitting on the floor with your eyes closed, you like, like oh, I'm thinking this a lot. And then just realizing, right, like you... Do you find this happening to you? Because I would imagine just even having meditated for only a couple of weeks, you you may not even realize you're doing it, but you're probably picking up on, oh, I'm upset about this. And whereas like in the past or for other people, you just like don't even realize where your emotions are. I th no, I think you're, you're right about that. And I think, um, I think for me, the biggest thing is even if I'm not meditating, like if I'm, if I don't have a daily meditation routine, I feel like I do a lot of more informal meditations where I know that if my thoughts, I know if I'm getting upset or frustrated or something, I, I feel like I have the tools to deal with it. I know that I can just take deep breaths, focus on my breathing just in my daily life. And then it, and it just brings me back to this calm, peaceful state where this is no longer bothering me. I'm no longer upset.
I, I said, it's like a way to recenter yourself, but, but to what you said about, you know, meditation. And, and I think the hardest part is when you try not to think about things, you're naturally going to, you're like, you know, it's like, don't think about the, don't think about a pink elephant, right? You say that someone's going to yeah, do the awesome. first thing. Right. So, so I think, example. <laughs> it's like, no, it's so hard, but, but yeah. the whole thing, I guess is, is, um, observing without judgment, just observe and, and allow Right. And so like, yes, you're, you bring it back to your breath, but you don't judge yourself for letting your thoughts, um, stray from that you just observe and like ah, getting to this as you said like this must be what you know, maybe this has been bothering me or why am i thinking about this or you know sometimes you're thinking about like a football game or what's on tv or you know what you ate for lunch i mean <laughs> what you're gonna eat for lunch kind of like from now you know planning out things that you don't even realize you're planning but you, so you said something before meditation. I remember I was going, I had something to say, um, but I don't like we've, we've, you know, gone off on this, this meditation discussion. Yeah. Um, if you I come cannot, back to it, uh, just, you know, just okay. shout it out. It's okay. We can, we can retrace at any point, but um, I don't know if this is directly related, but you're on Twitter a lot and you are mm -hmm. clearly someone or okay, not really, I not really. Then. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, not these days anymore. I don't tweet that okay. much anymore, but. But I guess in yeah. general, you're someone who seems to have a like strong affection for nuance, just generally speaking. And then you get, and it probably happens in real life too now, like more and more, maybe social media is causing this to some extent, but it certainly is happening on social media where people don't seem to value nuance as much. And it's like much quicker, shorter versions of everything. Um, does that make it harder for you? Or do you almost feel like distant from that? I mean, personally, like I see this like very quick repetitive back and forth that people do sometimes. I'm like, this is like, I don't want to be in that world at all. So do you have that sense when that kind of thing is going on? That I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You just don't want to interact with like everything has a punchline. I haven't thought about it that much, to be honest. I mean, I, I try to avoid, um, like what's discussion. the reason you're avoiding Twitter basically is kind of what I'm getting. Like what well, is, what it's, is it's a productivity part? suck. Okay. It's just, it, it, it has nothing to do with me like disliking Twitter. I mean, personally, I, I want to, I want to, if I can be a positive influence and, and kind of yeah. like, and, and if I can, if, if I mean, I, I'm, I'm always learning, but if there's something that I've learned that I can sort of impart, then that's always like, you know, I don't know. That's something I'd like to be able to do. Um, the other thing what you said with nuance though, I think that really comes from sport, like sports betting has taught, yeah. has given me so much about like, I, without, without betting for a living, I don't think I would have the perspective I do. And, and it, I mean, rarely are things right or wrong. Um, there's different degrees of right. And, and I think that, I mean, I think it's also the, the part of, I think again, it comes back down to like what you have control of and what you don't as well. And the fact that, that things can work out a certain way, despite um, your intentions that they don't, uh, you know, your intention that, you, eh, you know, despite you not intending them to just like a team that can, you know, outplay another team and still lose the game. Um, and it's like, well, 
and so there's, there's, I guess it's understanding randomness and, and, and the fact that, um, the fact that we all view things differently. Yeah. Oh, here's, okay, here's where it is. Um, it's, it's, so if you think about, it's like what, what can and can't people control? Like, you, you know, people, you know, I mean, we're right now politically, the country's really divided. Um, how much do you actually control what your political beliefs are? Like you were, you grew up in a particular, you know, everybody grew up with parents that had, you know, they had a certain type of upbringing. They were sort of indoctrinated into certain things. It's like controlling what religion you are, right? I mean, most people end up being the religion that they, they grew up um, with, or they end up kind of shying away from it altogether. You don't, you don't rarely see people sort of go from very religious in one religion to very religious in another, I think. But, and so, I mean, the, the whole point is like, how much do I actually, like, do I actually control? It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to judge somebody based on things that, you know, they, you know, that they can't control. Or I guess it's like, I, I think it's more just about like understanding why someone believes what they believe. And rather than judging them for it, just if you understand why they, you know, believe that or why they're acting a certain way on Twitter, why someone, you know, why they're saying that like consistently, you know, touting their amazing record or, or, you know, why, like, if you understand the why, then it, it's rarely that like someone is like, you know, bad. You know, we're not, we're all good and bad, but it's, it's yeah. the, it's what in, you know, we all act certain ways because of, you know, various insecurities, you know, because of the way, you know, we were brought up, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Um, and I think it's so easy to say, oh no, this person is bad, you know, and just make a quick value judgment rather than like, I mean, think about all the nuance in your own life. Like everybody else has nuance in their life too. And so I think, yeah, sorry. It took me a little while to, to, to find what I was trying to say. Totally but. fine because like that resonates with me very, very strongly. And this idea of not seeing people as like very black and white and seeing nuance in other people and also understanding that one, people are not the same in every moment. Like people have bad days and they might just be being an asshole because they're just having a bad day or you've hit a particular trigger of theirs. They're insecure about something and people act out for those reasons too. So like I'll leave the various podcast hosts unnamed, but like I tend to find value in just about everyone if you catch them in the right context. Like I don't really think that, I think almost no one is irredeemable. There's there's a very short list of people that I would say these people are irredeemable. But for the most he part, like- yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, even someone like Vegas Dave, I, I actually did watch the documentary he produced and all that. And believe it or not, it made me like understand him a little more. Like he's he's someone that's a great salesman, but he has, you know, he is, you know, he obviously I completely disagree with what he does. I think he's, he's a scourge on the industry, but you know, he's trying to he needs to feel that validation. He needs to feel acceptance. He's like, you know, he's, he's a human being still. Um, yeah. Is it weird though? Like I have this experience where you're looking at a person who you can almost certainly guess has not done any sort of real introspection and you can assess exactly. their motives more than they can. Is that like a weird, I, I, it's just a weird situation to find yourself in sometimes. A little bit. I think that you're right. I, I've realized that the more, I think about that stuff with me, the more I start thinking about it with other people. And you're right, you can, it, that, that's, that's something that I've noticed a lot more recently. Yeah, like when you're talking to a person who has 
like meaningfully looked into their own faults, like that that shows if you are someone who has also done it first, right? Because if it's two people who neither of them have done that, it's not like everyone can just see through everyone. And I'm not even suggesting that I have some power to see through people, but when it's very extreme in one direction, when you have a person who's never done any self-reflecting or a person who's done a lot of it, both of those seem very obvious. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I think it's, I think it's a process. Like it doesn't happen overnight. And I think for me, you know, I had sort of a, a big life event happen that sort of, I guess, made me, I don't want to say like come up for air or something, but, but it, it kind of broke me out of tunnel vision in a way and made right. me kind of, it made me reflect a lot more, but I've been on this kind of journey. Like I would say since you know the last five or six years, um, overall, you know, it, it, you know, thinking a lot more about things. Um, and so I think, I mean, I, I think the most rewarding thing is understanding yourself better and, 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 and growing as a person, like, like in you know, being someone that you're proud of, like that is, and it's something like, I feel like we're all works in progress and you know, that's, I, I, I don't ever want to stop growing and understanding myself better. I don't want to like, you know, I guess technically in Buddhism, you can what achieve enlightenment. So, you know, maybe, maybe someday I'll just message on Twitter and be like, I have achieved enlightenment. But if I do, I won't, I wouldn't have, if I do, I would be somewhere on a mountain with no clothes and, and no computer probably um, just <laughs> meditating. No but, in that situation. No, exactly. But I, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it's a process, I think. I, and, and so I have always viewed I've always said like process over outcome and I view what I do in sports betting largely is it's, it's very process driven, but I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm realizing that, and I've always known this, I guess, to some extent, but like life is the same way. And, and if I'm, if I'm focusing on this process of understanding myself and being the best version of myself, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to control everything that happens. I'm still going to make mistakes and all that, but I'm going to, I, but to me, it's a rewarding process and a, that process provides me with joy. Yeah. I, I also do remember what um, I was going to say to you before. So you had mentioned betters catching up and getting back to, you know, getting back to zero and sort of, but not really enjoying being present in the moment. Yeah. And something that I've been doing recently, and this is, it's, I mean, Look, I have, I read this article actually, sorry, I keep interrupting myself. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, the, the, or, or Twitter thread, the, the, a, a Twitter thread, like the time billionaire thing, if you're okay. like 47 years old, but it's essentially the thought that, that you only have so much time left. And a guy I worked with, the Las Vegas sports consultants, Brian Blessing passed away um, a, few, a few weeks ago. He was, he was only 64. It was really shocking. Um, and it's like, it made me think though, I mean, like, you know, you never know when, when that's going to be. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's the point of life is not to work the hardest or achieve the most. It's to, it's to, I don't know, appreciate, I don't know, just in, enjoy the moments. And, and so I'm trying to, because I know for me, happiness comes from being in the moment, like not when I'm worried about the future, when I'm stressed about the future or I'm, or, you know, 
wishing the past was different or something like that, I'm not happy. If, if I'm in the moment, I'm happy. And so I'm trying to channel like every day I'm waking up kind of with this intention where I think like, okay, I have one month left to live. Today is day one of that month. And every, but every, it's like Groundhog Day. Every day is day one of that month. Yeah. And so, and, and you could make that a different length of time if you wanted, but, but for me, a month seems to work because I can still be working on projects and, and feel, you know, and, and not and feel like, you know, I can still be working towards goals, but at the same time, by the thought of the end with 30 days left, like you would have. Exactly. Yeah. If it was like, if you have a day left to live, then yes, it's going to be very different. But, but I, I'm also, I also take time to appreciate the little things. Like, you know, when I hop in the shower, the, the, how the war, the hot water feels against my back or, you know, getting under the covers, just like being, just appreciating these little things like, or driving somewhere, you know, normally you'd be like, I just want to get there, but, 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 but just kind of like, just appreciating being alive because being alive is pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that driving example is very interesting to me, at least like I used to be someone who was panicked by being stuck at the airport or, you know, on the plane, it doesn't take off or you're stuck in traffic. I no longer care about those things. I don't, I don't know if I can say sports betting is the reason, um, but I feel like there's a, there's a through line there that you've sort of mapped out where like probabilistic thinking, I can't control this. And then somehow that's led to the point where it's like, I'm in traffic. I can't do anything. Can't, yeah. I'm just going to, you know, just be calm. Like you I, have I don't to accept it. it, but you just accept it and you just feel okay. I, I'm glad you've had the same experience. I mean, I think it, I, in, for me, it's I, I 100% attributed to sports betting. Although I don't know, maybe other, I, I've, I haven't had other careers. So maybe right. other people, maybe at this age. Some other way if you did something else. But I do think that probabilistic thinking has to be related here. If you were, if you were speaking to someone who didn't really, who had never really, I don't know, studied math in any way or didn't really, they weren't well-versed in probability. Like what would you, what would you try to convey to that person who doesn't really get what you're talking about? How like you control the things you can control, the outcomes could be this, they could be that, but like there's a probability associated with them just like in a very high level sense, like how do you convey that? Or is that not something that you've had to do at any point? No, it's tough. I mean, I haven't really thought about that, but I would just, in a way to, I mean, people, people don't change their mind through reason or logic generally. I think it's more yeah. through like their emotions. And so I would try to frame it in terms of a narrative. Be like, look, this happened this way, but if this had happened, this could have happened. Like, you know, it's, it's like almost like possible worlds theory. Like, you know, imagine if you had not gone to get, you know, or if you had not swiped on some dating app on this particular day and not matched with this person and you wouldn't be married, you know, I mean, there's just all sorts of different, different worlds that could have happened based on really, really small things. And I mean, how my life's a testament to that, you know, to become a sports better, like so many random things had to happen. I like to say, it's like, what, it's like a 20 team parlay in essence of, of just things where like, if any of them hadn't happened, then I'm doing something completely different. Right. And so, and I think, what's it called? Like serendipity, I guess, with like, if you, you know, I forget what it actually means, but, but it's like a meeting is serendipitous or something. It was like meant to be, but um, you know, most people, the person that they, their life partner, or if, if they're married, you know, they're, yeah, their spouse, like, like the circumstances that they met in are probably like 
really, really random. Yeah. If two things like, you know, you could, you could play out the whole world, you know, their lives again. And, and the odds that they end up meeting is are probably very slim. Right. So it's, I think if you think about, so, so I guess my answer is just think about like possible worlds and narratives around that. Yeah. I'm curious what you think about like the concept of fate, because it, I mean, it sounds like you're opposed to it to some extent and like you're running into it when you talk. I mean, I'm running into it when I try to say the kinds of stuff you just said to people, but like the difference, I think the clearest example to me is you have two people. One of them is texting and driving and crosses an intersection. The other person does the exact same thing. And in one case, there happens to be a person standing there. Neither of them looked and one person is going to jail for the rest of their lives. The other person, you know, never knew that anything could have gone wrong because no one was standing there. There is nothing morally different about those two people. One of them was just extremely lucky or you know, we could debate like what the expected value of that move is, but one of them is much luckier than the other one. That part is clear. And then you could argue, well, the, the person who didn't hit anyone, they're, you know, they had good karma. Therefore they didn't, you know, and like, that's just a whole other world that I don't know if we need to go down that as a rabbit hole, but I'm just kind of curious if you like have any thoughts on that. I mean, I very much view people. It, it's like, I think that's a great example. I haven't actually thought of that specific example or anything like that. I, I think about it in terms of like, well, what can you control what you can't and, and, and what is your intent? Like if you, if, if a waiter spills, you know, wine on me or something like that, I'm not going to be upset unless they did it intentionally. Right. And, we, and if they did intentionally, I'd, I, I, yeah, I, I like to think I still wouldn't be upset. I'm not a very angry person, but I would just be like, well, that's, you know, it, it would be, it would be, that would be weird. I probably would have, I probably did something to upset them. Um, but right. Like they, they didn't intend to hurt me. So it's, and so I think this is what you're saying is kind of the, it, it's, it's like, let's judge based on the fundamentals in a way, which is yeah. see, we're going back to sports betting here, right? It's like oh, evaluating a team and it's, you know, they they happen to recover all their own fumbles, whereas another team loses most of theirs. I mean, right. It's they, they, they won the game because of this, but it wasn't their skill. It was luck. So I think there's just this skill versus luck thing throughout life and, and you can't control the luck. Although I guess, yeah, Buddhists say that like, it's, you can build karma from past lives, past lives and things like that and through this life. Um, but there's always, I don't know, I, I, there is randomness in the world. There's so much randomness in the world, just like in sports. And I don't know, I, I, I find the randomness beautiful. I obviously don't find it beautiful when someone hits a pedestrian and kills them and they have to go to jail. But, but I think the randomness in the world of the, without the randomness of the world, it wouldn't be as magical. If everything was certain, if you knew, if you did such and such that you would get, you know, do X, get Y, I don't know. I mean, to me, it would lose a lot of its magic. There would be no such thing as adventure. Yeah, there's this thing that Nassim Taleb says actually, where if you're drowning in a river and the current is going like perfectly downstream and you're in the middle, without randomness, you just are gonna stay there. Like you can't get to either side without like the current moving a little bit to push you in some direction. So like, I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna save myself that way. Just like without the randomness, like even at a more fundamental level than what you're talking about, you almost, you don't have decisions without randomness. So yes, I obviously, if I'm saying that, I obviously agree that 
excitement also must have randomness. But I think it's like even more like basic than that too, where like it randomness is in everything. Maybe, maybe like you just have to bet on sports for a really long time or DFS works too. Like it can be any form of, you know, placing trade stocks. Yeah. It, do, it, does, it yeah. doesn't even have to be money, but placing some something in uncertain outcomes, right? Like you just learn that through doing that, which I mean, anyone does, even if you're not in this area, like you mentioned the dating app example, you have no idea what like the other person's thinking and you just, you know, randomness is clearly involved there. You've never met this person. They're just a picture or I guess it could be a video or audio file or whatever, but um, it like, you just think about how that's gone if you're someone who's done that in your life. And it's like, it's all, it's all random. So yeah, I mean, it's sports betting decision making under uncertainty. I mean, you have to yeah. decide, I guess, if, if you're sending a message to someone, what the message, you know, what tone you want to go for. And based on how things have worked for you in the past, you probably learn and evolve how you do that, I would guess. Yeah. Right. Trial, I, mean, I just think it's, it's like that in anything. Yeah. You're, 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 but, but I would say, is a sports better? Um, I guess I'll go back to something Nate Silver said in his book. I think he was talking about in the signal of the noise. He was talking about um, which forecasters you should trust, and how someone forecasting like oil prices in twenty years—that's what they're doing. Like, they're not going to be that great at it because they're not getting a lot of feedback on their predictions, so they're not able to get better. Whereas someone who's who's making a lot of forecasts that um, that you, they're actually judged on um, and they do it repeatedly, they're getting better at it. And so I think via sports betting is that way. I mean, I'm making forecasts every day, I'm being judged um, and I'm, I'm improving. And so I think most people, they do make decisions under uncertainty. I mean, like you make a lot of life decisions like, like that. I mean, to get married, you know, to, you know, buy a house, like, I mean, they're, but, but they're, they're ones that sort of have a long time horizon and you can't, it, it's not easy to sort of evaluate, to be able to sort of, to, you don't learn as much from them because you don't, you don't get that sort of direct feedback as often. Yeah. So the last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go, I'm sure you have stuff to do with football and golf is back. I guess that's really the big one. Um, but you yeah, got creamsicled last week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fine. We, we made it a point that we're not going to get into it too much unless you really want to talk about it. Oh, I just want to say that, that I last week, like I had a very bad week of golf betting, probably I think the second worst in the last year for me, maybe um, second or third worst. And I'm still, even though I had like, I had a fantastic year last year, but still, it still makes me question myself though. In what way? You know? No, be like, you know, do I still, is there something I'm missing? Do I still have an edge? Oh, I see. Yeah. And, and this is, yeah. And to me, like, I think the biggest cause of my success in sports betting, honestly, has been the fact that when I lose, it motivates me to work harder and to try to fi figure out if I'm missing something and to like, it, it sort of inspires me to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, to, to sort of, to dive into things in a way that, that, um, you know, that, that you don't like, when, when things are going well, you just aren't cruise control. Yeah, no, you, know, it's, you don't have the motivation to improve. You, you're like, ah, things are great. So I don't know. But some people, I guess, I would guess, get discouraged and don't want to work when things are going poorly. So I don't. So I think that's been a very adaptive trait for me. 
Yeah, I think it ties. So this is the thing I wanted to ask you. You had said on one of the recent podcasts, I forget which one, that you love uncertainty. And is that part of it that the uncertainty of am I still good? So like there's the uncertainty of the game itself. I don't like that uncertainty of knowing if I'm still good. I want, that's not the <laughs> part that you love is just I'm making a decision and I don't know yet what will happen with my decision, whether it's betting or life. And it's just exciting to find out how it's going to go. Like you want to see yeah. your movie, basically. It's an adventure. If, if, if I knew how everything would work out, then I don't know. It, it just feels like it wouldn't be the same. It, yeah. it wouldn't be. It, it, like right now, I, I'm looking out the window at, the, at Mount Charleston and, and Red Rocks. And it's this beautiful view. Um, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know why I said that. But somehow that that is in my head the perspective I get from that. But it's, oh, it's good. Um, I love the mountains are, are fantastic for perspective. But I don't know where I'm going to be in ten years. And I think for at the start of this year or start of last year, I thought my life was very laid out in front of me, and I felt trapped by that. To be honest, like knowing exactly what it would be, um, you know, largely my personal life. But um, I right now. I don't know if I'm going to be, I don't know if I'll be in this industry in 10 years. And in the past, I think that would, would have stressed, at times that would have stressed me out because I would feel like I needed to, I don't know, the thought of like, well, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like if I don't do this, but it's like, now I'm just sort of, you know, I, I, I think that, that not knowing is part of the beauty of it. I mean, I'm just going to just keep living, try to live in the moments and, those moments are going to take me someplace that maybe I never expected I would get to. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah, there's this like common problem people have when they have the, all the success they ever dreamed of. And they're like, I don't like it. I don't, why? And cause it's, it's boring. Like if, I mean, I guess like winning tons and tons of money isn't literally boring, but doing the same thing all the time and getting the same outcome, even if it's a good outcome, like you almost want to have the fall you want to have the adversity just to overcome it because like that's i mean to me one of the greatest joys in life is to have something really bad happen and beat that thing and then like i i did this like the sense of accomplishment you get from adversity is so much greater than the sense of just like re repeated wins with no real adversity you are so right matt i mean you can't grow without adversity and i think in a way to bring it back to sports betting the fact that like the fact that I'm not getting a salary. Like I could make the, if I was, I could make the same amount of money I did last year. And if I got paid the same every week, it would be very different somehow mentally for me. And sure. You know, as a sports better, I always want to reduce variance if I can. Well, I, I want to reduce my variance if I, if I can do so without sacrificing EV. So, and I, so it's kind of the ideal scenario, but in a way I wouldn't improve without that adversity. Yeah. So having those losing streaks enables you to, to get better, which enables you to, you know, to continue to, to exist in this world, I guess. So it doesn't work if you lose on purpose though, right? It has to be genuinely part of the process. <laughs> yeah. Out. I mean, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work if lose, if it doesn't work, if you can't grow through adversity. Yeah. I think you have to be willing to sort of reflect on your process when things aren't going well, both in life and in betting. Yeah, it's much harder in life, I think. I mean, in betting, it's very easy to say like, these types of things are not working. What am I doing wrong? 
can I, uh, I mean, I've heard you say this in the past, I need to check my model and make sure I didn't like glitch something out in the yeah. model, right? You had something with, I think years ago, like park factors were wrong where you had like some stadium program. Oh yeah, it was, one, one thing was based on, it was my weather historically where I built the model was based on whether at the, the, the game time official weather at the ballpark and then when I was and then when I was implementing the model, it was based on weather at a point close by, and so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't getting the, the essentially the stadium effects. The fact that like you know these tall buildings are making the wind swirl, and so a wind that's from the east or a wind that's from the west actually in like at the airport close by is actually going to be like a southeasterly wind inside the stadium because of you know these weird like wind tunnels with these buildings downtown and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. This could be a whole other tangent, but like the the importance of weather in baseball, like it's one of my favorite things Huge. to talk about because people don't they're like that doesn't that's not wind cold that's not a thing. Like mm, this could be temperature like so important. Yeah, humidity, all of it. You you basically mm -hmm. have to be a weather forecaster to bet on outdoor sports. No, you're you're 100 right about that. And we have we have some weather games coming up this weekend, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I mean you have. Picks, but if you want to, you can talk about them. That's uh, that is entirely. <laughs> Well, what's interesting to me is is the fact that you you're gonna have I think this um, oh is it the game in Green Bay? It's gonna be like ten degrees or so. Yeah. And you had the game last week in was it Buffalo? Wait, what was the really cold one? It was, yeah, was Buffalo. it Buffalo? Um, you just don't have that many his NFL games historically with really really cold temperatures, and so it's hard to. That's an interesting modeling question. It's a small data problem in a way. Um, yeah, what do you do with like Jimmy Garoppolo's never played in a cold game or something like is that can you can you get that intricate and be like this person doesn't know what cold weather is. <laughs> um, I don't but there is a there is there's been a lot of research done over the well this was decades ago I guess but on on sort of the cold weather acclimatization effect that teams traveling from warm locations to you know cold locations. Um, tend to underperform and it's very much a physiological thing where your body when it's cold um is you are you i mean when it it, it takes time to acclimatize to not acclimatize acclimate <laughs> that's the way to make it yeah, that sounds like uh, it it takes time to acclimate um and, and so that i mean it, it's the same reason that home field advantage is strongest early in games it's because or at least the the psychological theories are that it's based on the fact that like not being feeling comfortable in, in 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 the environment you're in and getting used to that environment and so i think it's it's in a way it's the same for the cold but but so i uh yeah i mean i think that's a real effect i think san francisco is going to be at a big disadvantage the fact with you know, yeah how do you manufacture like do what are they going to practice in a freezer all week maybe they what they, they need they need like they need to invent these. I mean, maybe that's the next generation. I'm sure Jerry Jones like will be the one to to build it first. But like a a, a dome where you can like a, a freezer dome for practice for when you're when you're going to go on the road and play in the cold. So that you're very functioning um, thermostat inside of your dome stadium. So you can. You need really good air conditioning, basically. Yeah. This is going to feel like a little bit of a rough segue potentially, but like if you haven't tried this, I actually use cold weather or cold exposure, cold showers, any of it. I mean, I'm in New Jersey right now, so I could just go outside as like my artificial overcoming adversity thing for the day, which I think is the easiest way to do it. 
like if you want to feel a sense of like something was hard and I did it and hack it yeah. every, I mean, you do it multiple times a day. You just go stand outside in a t-shirt in the middle of the winter for three minutes. And then you walk back in you're like, I, I, I'm awesome. Everything's good now. Like biologically it, it works. So I don't know, maybe something for you to try, but you're, you're in too good of a climate right now. I think that makes so much sense though. Cause it's, you know, you, it gives you, yeah, adversity to overcome and, and, um, yeah, your body, I think evolutionarily we're, we were, we're not meant to be like a, at a perfect temperature the whole time. We're meant to, we're meant to be cold sometimes. I forget what blog it was that I, I think it was Mr. Money Mustache, his blog. He talked about how he would always wear like one layer less than he, than would be comfortable in the winter because just be, because it made him feel more alive and because he felt that, it, you know, he had the reward when he got inside or something like that. But I, the, the cold, cold, like cold showers, man, that's, those are tough. It's, it's, I, I remember in Vegas, this is maybe like in 2013 or, or something. Um, it was, it was when I was in, I had moved to DC, but I was spending like, I was splitting my time between DC and Vegas and my hot water tank went out and it was November and I still wanted to shower. And so I just took cold water showers every morning. And I just remember like, it was so hard psychologically, you know, it's harder you know, than I just, Oh, I, I had to just get in there and just, I, I would literally yell. I'm like, you're a man, you love this. Like, just, and just like, you had to reframe it somehow. No one starts out enjoying that, but you can over time convince yourself that it's fun. I think like that's, you were sort of tapping into that. I think also negative emotions and, and disappointment and stuff like that. Like you can, I don't want to say you convince yourself it's fun, but if you allow yourself to acknowledge, to observe and acknowledge, you know, disappointment, sadness, you eventually sort of embrace it in a way. And you're like, I don't want to say you're, you're sort of maybe like, well, aren't I lucky that I can, am capable of feeling these, you know, feeling these things. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's no, it's really interesting thing. I've been having this back and forth with a friend of mine for like honestly, it's like multiple years now we've been on the same topic every so often. This isn't like a daily conversation, but are you better off being like the happy idiot or where like everything it's like ignorance is bliss or the person who's like super in touch with negative feelings because there's a power to having them being aware of them, overcoming them. Like I'm very strongly on this side. Um, I think he's starting to come over also. Like I, I wouldn't trade that. Like if you think of the best moments in your life, a lot of them, maybe not all, but a lot of them stem from really bad things where you were able to like process and grow from them. So like, hopefully he, if he listens to this, he'll be like, yeah, this is true now. Maybe he'll just agree with me finally. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that, but, but I guess in this example, like, I mean, I need to know more about this, this happy person who's, what did you say? He was a happy idiot or something? Yeah. I guess it's like someone who is on paper successful, but never like, doesn't, it, it's, it's a narrower spectrum of human emotion, I guess is what I'm saying. Like they're not feeling terrible ever, but they're not feeling, they're not getting to then oh. grow from that. Just like a person where everything is fine all the time. Okay, I, I was thinking more like Forrest Gump or something, like a ha like someone who's not smart, but like as Forrest Gump like was a hap, well, he still had some adversity obviously, but he, you know, I don't, he was happy because he was just living in the moments. You know, he was very much, so, so you're, you're almost saying the opposite of that. Someone that's successful, but. I feel like I actually, now I'm confused. Not introspective. 
your example might be a this may be the disagreement I'm having with this friend of mine because he may be talking about what you're talking about and I'm talking about a different thing. So there may be an impasse here. Hopefully this clarifies things for people who are listening who have had this thought in their head. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for being in the moment all the time and never like long-term planning, right? Like the forest, forest compass and thinking about his, you know, finances for 10 years down the line. He's just enjoying as he can enjoy. Whereas like, you know, a very neurotic person doesn't have that luxury. They're always worrying. So I guess there's a there's a good and bad to both of those situations. I think you can plan for the future without worrying about it. You can yeah. you can you can enjoy being in the moment of planning for the future. Yes. That's I mean meditation is so and I'm sure you're experiencing this now that you can find bliss in anything even when it's like you know this I mean this example yeah you can be in the moment about worrying in a way where it's not bad like the worrying is actually like a good thing now because you are embraced that it's like it's useful to do i wouldn't say worrying is a useful thing so i guess buddhism would say that there's certain because that they would say that's the anxiety like well yeah i would say sadness is a okay thing right i mean sadness is a is not a negative it's it's not like buddhism has you know there's delusions like self-cherishing um anger jealousy um self-grasping ignorance which is the root delusion um, we don't need to get into all that but but buddhists would say that like essentially if you're worried about something if you're worried about something and there's something you could do about it do it and don't worry if there's nothing you can do about it why worry there's no you know you have no control why worry about it that's very uh, strange coincidence, though, because I was listening to a podcast with um, Tom Bilyeu, who's one of my favorite people on like these subjects, and he he brought up this like exact quote that you're now referring to. Like I heard this 20 minutes before we started, um, which makes me feel good that I'm on the right track. That I'm now like listening to things that are like right in your wheelhouse. So I was just kind of <laughs> I was para- I, I I was paraphrasing. I think it the, the quote that I yeah I was paraphrasing some Buddhist monk from the I don't know. 11th century, 12th century, give or yeah, take five centuries, named Shani Deva. Okay. I don't know if this, I don't know if the origin of what I heard is the same, but I'm guessing the root is the same where like the idea, if you can control it, good. If you can't control it, also good. Yeah. It's good for different reasons. So I think uh, we, yeah, we talked for a little over an hour. Um, I think we, I could, I could go on. I could go, I, I could talk about this stuff for hours, man. Is Seriously, there anything this, else? This is fun. Want- I, I'm really enjoying it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I have a list of things. We've exhausted the whole thing. Um, I guess I'm curious, like where, like where you see this, like interest in this subject evolving for yourself. But otherwise, like I'll leave it to you to move on to the next thing. I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm. I guess I've realized that I don't have anything to be scared of. If I fail at something, whatever, you know, that's. Yeah. At least I'm right. I'm trying. I'm, I don't know if I, it's, it's like what you don't want to do is you don't want to live your life like a coach um, or like, yeah, like a coach in the four minute offense playing not to lose, who just says, you know what, I'm going to run the ball three times, punt and count on my defense to get the stop. Like, I feel like a lot of people do live their lives that way because, but like, what, what's, I don't know. I, I watched this documentary recently. Um, 
it was beautiful um, and really also very sad called The Alpinist. I don't know. It's about this guy, Marc Andre Leclerc, I believe is his name. Um, he was, he's, an, have, you, have you seen Free Solo? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so he's like, this guy's, it, well, he's just as talented as Alex Honnold, um, if not more. Um, and, but he's like a more spiritual guy. Like Alex Honnold, I feel like is someone who, I don't know if he has c capacity for empathy. I mean, he right. just like, he's obviously a really great climber, but he treats it like a sport. And it, you know, whereas this, you know, Mark Andre's like, like, uh, you know, enjoying life and he's just about the spirituality of it and all that. But, but it was, it, it, I don't know, he lived in 27 years of life, like more than most people live that live to age 90. And so I think that's like, I don't know, it was inspirational in that regard. And so highly recommend it if anybody, uh, is looking for something good to watch. It's on Netflix. I may not be able to because I'm like freakishly afraid of heights. And even watching Free Solo, I'm just like shaking like this. I can't do this. But I, yeah. I think that this guy Free Solo's rock faces with snow and ice on them. Um, like That's he's cool. yeah. So I, I if you're scared of heights, like it probably is not. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's I'm scared of heights a little too. But it's on my your yeah. It's it's just on your TV screen, right? Like you're not gonna. <laughs> You can it's deal adversity with for you to overcome. Is that um? Is that what Bryson does actually? Do, have you heard this? That he will watch scary movies to look to like do that. Like the thing you just said about watching for me to watch a free climbing movie. I'm pretty sure that Bryson DeChambeau talked about this. It was some article a couple of years back about how he has like a headset on, and he'll watch. Maybe it's horror movies, maybe it's just really emotional movies, and then like track of his brain can stay level to like then practice for when he's golfing to be able Ooh. to handle pressure. To put him in a situation where he feels nervous. Interesting. That's that sounds like Bryson for you. Right. Like this is believable. I if if oh, I'm yeah. wrong, it's it's hundred percent believable. I, I'm pretty sure I read that. Um, there was like this whole article about the things he does to prepare for golf and like one of them. I'm pretty sure it was this where he's watching like all sorts of emotionally stimulating movies to like work on his brain. Um, so yeah, I mean, if that's being applied at the highest level of sport, it's definitely, if Bryson's doing it, it's a good idea. That's kind of uh, my assumption. I think it's generally yeah. fair. Eh, I mean, I feel like Bryson's more like Alex Honnold though than Marc-Andre Leclerc. Yeah, that's possible. I don't, I don't know. But if he's he just he's too he's he's very robotic, very well. No, he he seems like Bryson seems like he is always one shot away from going on tilt. But but I've never seen him do it, so maybe that's just like the vibe he gives off, even if it's not. Oh, you've never seen him get. get, get oh I've no, you're him. right. Like where, where he gets frustrated, he gets frustrated so easily. <laughs> I feel no, like if I'm he it back in my mind now that you've said it. Yeah. If he could channel like if he could figure out how to just stay and be content and not, I don't know, not just stay in the present. I think he'd be a lot better. So maybe this is the process he's working on is getting better at that. Um, yeah. What's, uh, what's new for you in like the upcoming golf season? I guess to um, a little bit of betting stuff. Yeah. What's new for me? Um, let's see. Not that much, to be honest, you know, a few new betting partners and things like that. You know, the challenge is always trying to trying to get down as much as I can. Um, yeah. So there's some R&D stuff I'm hoping to get into at some point, but 
there's, there's just, you know, I'm busier than, than I would like to be. Yeah. I know for, for me, I'm much better if I can focus like single-mindedly on one thing, then be done with that and then move on to something else rather than just juggling a lot of things. And so, um, I'm hoping to, to get there at some point, but unfortunately I have a lot going on right now with, um, I mean, with unabated, which is, I mean, a very positive development, but the unabated with my, you know, golf betting with getting ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And of course, trying to have time to like, you know, go hiking, play around a golf and do things like, like I'm, I'm have, having a little more balance in my life than I have in years past. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good thing to strive for, for sure. I think uh, we all should be trying to do the same thing. Um, well, Rufus, I really appreciate you doing this for as long as you've done. Like most of the interviews I've seen you on are like, I don't know, 5% the length of this, but um, thanks for coming on. And yeah, I guess where can people find you if they don't know your Twitter handle or your, your site? Like if you want to plug anything, go for it. Yeah. So um, my Twitter handle is Rufus Peabody and unabated.com is uh, the website that I'm uh, a co-founder of where we we have betting tools. We have an odd screen that's going to be launching in the next few weeks, I believe, um, with uh, which integrates with our really cool trading tools, which will allow you to say what's, you know, with the odd screen to be able to say, click two, two prices to be able to say like, okay, plus three minus 115 or money line plus 132. And I'll tell you which one's better. So um, just useful tools uh, to help you be better, better. Sounds good. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, thanks again. And for everyone listening, I uh, hope you hope you followed this long and also hope you learned some stuff. I certainly have over the last hour or so. I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, see you all on the next episode.